Word for You is presented by Grace Point Church in Lakewood, Ohio. We are located at the intersection of Warren and Alger and welcome you to visit us in person or online at gracepointlakewood.com. That's G-R-A-C-E-P-O-I-N-T-E-L-A-K-E-W-O-O-D dot com. Listen to podcasts of sermons from our pastor, Mike Bartolone, and various guest pastors. You will see that grace is always the point, and you are always welcome. John 11 today. Can you go to John chapter 11? John 11. It's one of my uh, favorite passages to teach on. I have some favorite scriptures in these verses. Over the years I've probably taught this, I don't know, maybe 50, 60 times. And so I, what I did is when I was studying it again, and the Lord told me to, I never taught it with this title, The Voice of Love. So that's the title of my message, The Voice of Love. And it's out of John 11, 1 through 44. It's the story about Lazarus that I believe could be our story as well. You know, and all the things that I, I compiled a short list. This is a short list of all the things that I've learned or taught through it. You know, just little brief, little, you know, little points. And that is freedom in life you'll find here a journey towards transformation you'll find in these scriptures a moving forward and you'll also hear the voice of love moving closer to Jesus because there's more to life than just waiting just sitting around and waiting because in the process of our wait we're getting always getting healed in the process I mean God is always healing us every day You'll see a lingering Jesus waiting on when to go. Because Jesus, I've, I've learned over the years, Jesus is never in a hurry. You might be in a hurry, but he's not. <laughs> and you'll find deal, how to deal with disappointment and how to deal with disillusionments. You'll know what to do if you get trapped in a tomb. And you'll find out the place of resurrection because God alone can raise the dead. I've seen it. I've seen him raise the dead with people I pray for over five times. Took them right out of the cooler with the toe tag. Raised them right up and live in the day. The purpose of darkness. We all have need for transformation. And hearing the Savior call you by name. God's command to love and with God on our side. You can even smell the transformation, even though it's a messy process. The cleaning, facing rejection, stepping towards life and following the light of Jesus. Completely new, naming the grave clothes. The fabric of our grave clothes, the power of naming, lighting the load, removing the grave clothes. Like self-rejection and fear and guilt, shame and blame and the help of a loving community looking for a family and literally at the final scripture in this passage you'll find Jesus says yank off the bandages pull them off get them off as fast as possible and things begin to happen we start seeing grace like we've never seen it before we start hearing the father's voice like never before we start living in the light you know Lazarus came out of the darkness out of the tomb and started living in the light a life of abiding and intimacy alone with God. The Lazarus life, the Lazarus story could be our story. I'm going to read it to you this morning out of the Message Bible. John 11, verse 1. A man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, in the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And this was the same Mary who massaged the Lord's feet with aromatic oils and then wiped them with her hair. It was her brother 
Lazarus, who was sick. And so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Master, the one who you love, the one who you love so very much is sick. And when Jesus got the message, he said, this sickness is not fatal. It will become an occasion to show God's glory by glorifying God's Son. And Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But oddly, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed on where he was for two more days. And after the two days, he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. And they said, Rabbi, you can't do that. The Jews are out to kill you, and you're going back? And Jesus replied in verse 9, if you're in the message there. I think the verses are up there that we have for you. Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in daylight doesn't stumble, because there's plenty of light from the sun. But walking at night, he might very well stumble because he can't see where he's going. Verse 11, he said these things and and then announced, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm going to wake him up. And the disciples said, Master, if he's going to sleep, he'll get a good rest and wake up feeling fine. But Jesus was talking about death while his disciples thought he was talking about taking a nap. Then Jesus became explicit. Lazarus died. And I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. You're about to be given new grounds for believing. Now let's go to him. And that's when Thomas, the one called the twin, said to his companions, Come along. We might as well die with him. Ding. A couple fuses going off in his head. And when Jesus finally got there, he found Lazarus already four days dead. Say four days dead. And not embalmed, by the way. <laughs> and Bethany was near Jerusalem, only a couple of miles away, and many of the Jews were there visiting Mary and Martha, sympathizing with them over their brother's death. But Martha heard Jesus was coming and went out to meet him, and Mary remained in the house. And Martha said, Master, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And even now I know that whatever you ask God, he will give you. And Jesus said, Your brother will be raised up. And Martha replied, I know that he will be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. And Jesus said, you don't have to wait till the end. I am right now resurrection in life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? Yes, Master. All along I have believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. And after saying this, she went to her sister Mary and whispered in her ear, the teacher is here. She didn't say the resurrection one is. The resurrection is here. She said the teacher is here because, believe me, she didn't get it. Just like today, most people don't get it about death and life. They don't get Jesus. They don't understand who he really is. They don't understand who we are if we're born again. They don't understand that we'll never die. We'll just pass through the veil. Like passing through that door. When you come in the door, you pass from one dimension into another dimension. It's the same thing with death. When you leave your body, you leave here, you go be with Jesus. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's that simple. It's just bing, 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 and it's all over and you're there. Nothing to be afraid of. Can't fear death with Jesus in your heart. Amen? (sighs) Teacher is here and he's asking for you. Verse 29, the moment she heard that, she jumped up and ran out to him. Jesus had not even entered the the town, but was still at a place where Martha had met him. And when her sympathizing Jewish friends saw Mary run off, they followed her, thinking she was on her way to the tomb to weep there. Boy, they didn't get it at all. 
Mary came to where Jesus was waiting and fell at his feet saying, Master, if, if, say if is a big word, if, if only you had been here, my brother would have not died. Didn't get it. And Jesus, when Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews with her sobbing, a deep anger welled up within him. And he says, where did you put him? Master, come and see, they said. Now Jesus wept. The Jew says, look how deeply he loved him. And others among them says, well, if he loved him so much, why didn't he do something to keep him from dying? Because they don't understand that the greater life is to go on to be with Jesus. This is just a temporary life. The greater life is to be with him forever in eternity. It is the greater. And after all, he opened the eyes of the blind man. Then Jesus, the anger again welling up within him, arrived at the tomb. And it was a simple cave in the hillside with a slab of stone laid against it. And Jesus said, what? Remove the stone. And the sister of the dead man, Martha, said, Master, by this time there's a stench. He's been dead four days. And Jesus looked her in the eye and says, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And then to the others, Go ahead, take away the stone. They removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I am grateful that you have listened to me. And I know you always do listen, but on account of this crowd standing here, I have spoken so that they might believe that you sent me. I don't think it changed too many of their minds because they still wanted to kill him. And then he shouted, Lazarus, come out. How I many know if he would have said, everybody come out? Guess who was coming? They were all coming. And he came out, a cadaver, wrapped from head to toe with a kerchief over his face. And Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him loose. What voice spoke to Lazarus? The voice of love. That would bring about life change and transformation. Love would speak. Love would act. Love, love would transform. The word now made flesh would speak something from the depths of his own soul that defies death's power and reveal the Father's glory. Nothing could match love's power. Nothing. When love speaks, we will awaken to the voice. John, like no other author in the Bible, goes to great lengths to reveal to us that God's voice is not the voice of condemnation. It's not the voice of wrath. It's not the voice of hatred. It's not the voice of rejection. If you're hearing that from another believer, you just don't get, they just don't get love. Because love doesn't condemn. Love does never give wrath. Love doesn't ever show hatred. And love doesn't ever reject. And that's something we have to learn as believers. And no matter what we have grown up believing about Jesus, the story of Lazarus shows us that Jesus speaks in the voice of love. And we learn through Lazarus that only love transforms a person. Not power, not information, and not effort. Not a Ph.D., not a big theology, not 50 years in college. What transforms is the voice of love. And we learn through Lazarus that the beauty of listening to that love, this is the greatest spiritual calling in our journey of transformation. In that tomb that day, Lazarus' body was lifeless, unresponsive, and rigor mortis had set in. Has your career ever come to a dead end? Does God seem far off and unapproachable to you? But hearing Jesus speak your name is the first step in emerging, even yourself emerging from your tomb and moving forward in the transformation. I don't know about you, but when I heard Jesus' voice call me to salvation, I went. 
I remember that day. I can remember, I could see myself that day in 1976 at the altar. I mean, I couldn't wait. I pushed people out of the way. I said, you're in my way. Don't be lingering in front of me. I got to get there. I heard his voice calling me. I heard him speak my name. So Jesus speaks your name to you. Come forth. It's a personal infer. It's a personal invitation. John 3:16 it is only God's love for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever will amen whosoever will come will be saved. It is only God's love that brings about change and lasting change and when that love gets specific things really begin to change. And so in these verses John 11, 3, 5, 36, John tells the story. John goes so far as to say that Lazarus is Jesus' friend. Even before the rest of the followers of Jesus are named friends. He was named friend first. Because John 11 is way before John 15. And in Lazarus, love gets specific. And when love gets specific and personal transformation happens, when you have children or grandchildren... They want to hear their name spoken. Kids love to hear their name. They get a big smile on their face. I found that out at the wedding yesterday. I asked all the mothers what their children's name were. And then I started saying their name, and they go, oh, oh, oh. I said, this is great. And in the same way, we long to hear and to know that God loves us as individuals. See, human love can do this for a few, but only divine, sacred love can love each of us. Loving in mass is something a benevolent dictator does for his people, but loving with distinction is something only God can do. Christian leaders tell us there is nothing more important in love than learning to love and be loved. Learning to live loved. You want your life to really change? Take some time and just read all about love for maybe two years. Get distracted in love. Get distracted by God's love for you. Learn to listen to the voice of God speak the voice of love to you and call you by name. He will call you by name if you're, if you're listening. Many are called, it says, but most people just leave the phone off the hook. But God wants to talk to you. See, the Bible is the only book that you could ever read and talk to the author. You can talk to the author at any time and he'll talk to you. He'll speak things to you that will bless you. His heart for you is compassion and love and kindness. And he loves to speak to you. See, love speaks to the depths of our soul. And when we yearn for release from isolation and long for belonging, that will assure us that we are at last home. See, the story of Lazarus becomes a defining moment in our transformational journey because it reminds us that we are objects of God's love. He loves us. He loves you. Just as Lazarus was, learning to let yourself be loved is the crucial step towards being transformed and moving forward in Christ, knowing that you are loved. And let me repeat it. The crucial step in being transformed is learning to let yourself be loved. I have no problem letting my wife love me. I've enjoyed that for 50 years. <laughs> we were on the dance floor. They had the anniversary dance last night. And the last ones on the floor, we were the last ones. 50 years and five months married. What was neat, though, not only was, it, not only were I, was I there... <laughs> My brother Carl and his wife were right next to us at 47. And my brother Joe and his wife at 43. So the three of us, they stayed on the floor and we danced, to get the three couples together. So, but let me repeat, the, cr the crucial step in being transformed is learning to let yourself be loved. Especially loved by God. And a lot of times people have a hard time with that. When they're broken or hurt or they have emotional damage from the past or, you know, something like separation or divorce or something like that, it's hard for some people to let themselves be loved. 
But you have to learn to let yourself be loved by God. And let yourself be loved by others. You know, let, don't, don't reject love. Don't reject kindness. Learn to let yourself be loved. It's a major point in moving forward with God. Especially loved by God. See, in the Western world that we live in, most of us build our faith upon a system of beliefs about God. We form these beliefs into creeds and confessions of faith, and we see them, and sometimes we even say them in our churches. Our pew racks hold them printed on reminder cards. But we need to experience God's love than a creed, than anything. Because we need that every day in our personal life when we're home, alone, by ourselves. We need God. He's going to be there. He'll speak to you. He'll speak to us. And we need to experience God's love if we're ever going to be transformed by it. It's been said the longest, most difficult journey in the world is often the journey between the head and the heart. The head and the heart. Amen? But until that round trip is complete, we remain at war within ourselves. We must experience this love that God has for each of us. And without that experience, we will believe that we are living, but be void of the inside or be void inside or be void of true life true life that God wants us to have. See, when the Apostle Paul wrote the believers in Ephesians, he pled with them to know the love of God in Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians 3. might take me a little longer to get there. I tried on my new, I had, we got a new, my wife had a new wireless for the wedding. I tried it on. It don't fit my head. Her head and my head are two different sizes. I had it on. I was going to use it. And then I tried to put my glasses on, and they wouldn't go in. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to hang them from my face at that point. So I just took the thing off and says, we'll work on it at another time. <laughs> Ephesians 3.16 in the New King James. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded where? In love. That God wants us rooted and grounded in love. You can read about that also in Colossians 3. He'll talk about that. That we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I mean, if you're looking for true love, the only place to find it is in Jesus. All other loves will disappoint. You can't, they can't hold water to his love. Because his love's eternal. And he'll never forsake you or leave you. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes and his attributes, and his character, and his love for you. So Paul wants us to experience God's love, not just study about it, not just hear about it. He wants us to taste it for ourselves. We need to feel our hearts swell inside to know that God loves us as Jesus loved Lazarus. And knowing love personally is different from reading about it. I'll tell you, I, I, I talk to a lot of different people, and a lot of people struggle with love. If there's one thing they struggle with, it's love. Because they've never really felt or understand God's love for them. Because once you get God's love for you, everything changes. It changes how you treat others. You want to treat everybody else with love, you have to know it first. You have to experience first. You have to taste it. And so today, today in the American church, we have a wealth of knowledge, and yet remain so many people remain unmoved unalive and unaltered. And like Apostle Paul, who knew it too well because of the years of training to please God as a Pharisee, which sucked the very life out of him, as human effort always will. Because if you're trying to get God's love, you're, you're going to be messed up. You can't earn it. It's a free gift. For God so loved the world. Amen? And Apostle Paul tells us that love surpasses, in these scriptures, he says love surpasses knowledge. Divine love cannot be explained. It can only be experienced. 
That's what I love about being a Pentecostal. We get to feel. We get to be emotional. Amen? We get to sense what he's trying to tell us. Let him love you. I mean, sometimes you just have to stop. You know, sit down, find a place where he could just love you. And when we are smitten by the love of God, we'll never remain the same. This amazing love changes us from the inside out. Human love has power of its own to get people to do strange things, but only divine love brings the life you've always wanted and always needed. It was God's voice of love <coughs> that changed Jesus' life as well. When Jesus was being baptized, it states that the clouds were being torn back one after another and divine love was moving and the clouds were in the way and love could not contain itself. Love spoke and the heavens were torn apart in Mark 1.11 and Jesus and all those standing around heard the words, You are my son in whom I love. You are my son in whom I love. You are my daughter in whom I love. And with you I am well pleased. See, love spoke and the entire path of Jesus' life changed. After that day, the public ministry of Jesus of Nazareth began. Listen up, beloved of God. When we know our true identity as the beloved of God, we awaken to the life that we were created to live. I'll tell you what, if you want to get anything, get love. And learn to live loved by God. It will transform your life. I should be able to go maybe into your library of books that you bought in the next two years and see maybe 20, 30 books on love. Biblical love. God's love. Divine love. Sacred love that people are writing about. Trying to help you to feel loved. And to be loved. And to walk in love. And to receive love from others that try to give you. I mean, I know people, I've, I've done enough marriage counseling in 36 years to know that you could sit with two people who've been married for 20 or 30 years and one of the spouses will never feel loved. Do you know why they don't feel loved? Because they reject it. Because of a past experience. Rather than risking again. Remember the last series I just did on faith. How do you spell faith? R-I-S-K. That's how you spell faith. You've got to risk. You've got to open up again. You can't just stay you know, in, a, in four walls all by yourself, alone and isolated. You have to be vulnerable. You have to open up. You have to take a chance. It's worth it. It's worth it every day of your life. Life is too short if you don't. It's a life God passionately wants us to live. At the tomb of Lazarus, we see that love compels Jesus to initiate. This same love will make Lazarus respond. And this is what love does. That's what it says even in Scripture. Look, look how much he loved. He, he wept. And they, even, they, even the observers who were clueless said, look how much he loved Lazarus. It was the voice of love. And the reason he didn't go and stand, stood back it's because he wanted to take their belief and their understanding of these truths to another level, to new ground where they've never been before. God does that with us sometimes. He'll hold things back until the right time is, and then, boom, he comes in. And that when, then when we see that change, everything changes, and we're never the same again. It could be a lot of different things, but love is going to be the basis of it. It could be God's grace. It could be mercy. You know, somebody wrote just recently, if you want to understand mercy, just read the prodigal son, how he came back to God. But if you want to understand grace, look what God did when the son came back. He took his own calf, his own beef, and started a feast for the wayward son. Everything that was the father, he gave the fathers, he gave to the son. The calf was his, the fatted calf. The ring was his because he had squandered everything else in his inheritance. But the father says, no, everything I have, everything, Luke 15, 31 says, everything I have is yours. And he gave him everything. And he does the same thing for us. 
And this is what love does. It makes us move away from death to life. It causes us to move, to change, and to transform. I've studied the love of God in Bible studies and in training. I've learned the Greek and the Hebrew words for God's love all through my life. I've preached on the love of God as a pastor, and I found it natural to speak of the love of God to others. But when the crowds had gone away, I began to wonder, how could God really love me? And I saw how God loved others who were more gifted, who were more talented, more physically attractive, and even those who had more than I did. And then I looked in the mirror. I could not picture myself as God's beloved, but what changed everything for me at least was when I realized that God did love me. And I heard him speak my name like he spoke Lazarus' name. And so I learned to accept being accepted And I learned to be loved by the unconditional love of God for me alone, not the world. And like most people, it was easier to understand the love of God for the world, for others rather than myself. Perhaps Lazarus had this same dilemma. He had seen Jesus in action, witnessed his miracles, heard his words. But until Jesus stood in front of that tomb calling his name out, it was important, the name Your name is important. Your name is important. He had missed what he needed most to live as Jesus intended. And Lazarus could not taste for himself the transforming power of God until Jesus spoke to him in that tomb. And I have found that it is so much easier to tell others that Jesus loves them than to believe in our own hearts that God loves me. God loves me. Can you say that? God loves me. I didn't see a lot of lips move in this room, especially Sue's. God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. You've got to say it. You've got to believe it. It's not a sin to believe that God loves you. Get over your little deals. Throw them to the side. And know that God loves you. God loves me. And yet unless God's love becomes personal to us, we will never be able to experience authentic transformation. You'll never get to have... You can try and try. You can go all the conferences you want. You can believe and believe and believe until you understand that God loves you. God loves me. Nothing happens. Because we won't believe that God is able to transform us until, uh, into who he created us to be as individuals. See, this kind of love simply says, you matter. I matter. You matter too. This kind of love is irresistible. And contagious. And unless we realize that Jesus is willing and able to come to our tombs and speak words of life, we will live a lie. Come to our tomb. What's your tomb? I reject love because I've been hurt in the past. See, many today stand in their churches week after work, excuse me, week after week, and sing of God's love. And the life of Jesus offers, but inside we stand alone in fear that he may not call our name out as he called the name of Lazarus. See, this kind of lie robs us of the life Jesus wants for us. A life in which we enjoy the love of God who would do anything to free us. He wants you free. Can you say God loves me? That's all it takes. See, what I've learned is that when we learn to let ourselves be loved, that's a word in the Bible, the beloved. Be loved. When we learn to hear God's voice, allow yourself to be loved by God. And this is not focusing on yourself, but the contrary. God is calling us to believe that nothing we can do will ever make God love us more or less than he's doing right now. And this runs contrary to our do more, do it better culture. 
If we live believing that God is always angry, which he's not, always annoyed with us, which he's not, always disappointed with us, which he's not, we will never hear his voice call us from the tomb. We may lift our heads of the cold slabs we call home, and we may say, no, Jesus couldn't be calling me, my name. He must be calling Marie. It must be someone else. See, negative voices jeer, you can't. You aren't. You don't have what it takes. Their seductive power woos us to stay safe and inside the tomb. But listen to Jesus' invitation about love in Matthew. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11. I'm going to give it to you straight out of the Message Bible. Matthew 11. Now, I didn't give you the verse because I don't want you to beat me there. But if somebody can guess the verse, I'd be, re- I'd be really blessed. Huh? That's correct, Mark. Matthew 28. Is it up there? Oh, no. It was? She'd take it down? <laughs> Matthew 28, Message Bible. Are you tired? No, Pastor. I do never get tired. Are you worn out? Hey, I think a lot of people are worn out today. The COVID thing has done a number on people. Are you burned out on religion? You got to, you got to, you got to pray more. You got to do more. You got to give more. You got to, got to, got to, got to, got to give more. Got to do more. Got to give more. Got to do more. Got to church more. Got to go, go, get. Come to me, get away with me. Who's the me? Jesus. And you'll recover your life. He says, Jesus says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Not in your recliner, but a remote. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Unforced. Most places you work, you're forced. And they're not rhythms of grace. And I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. I love that verse, that phrase. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. When we are tired and worn out by our own attempts to change habit, diet. No, nobody's ever had that problem in here, right? I bet you some of you can name 40 diets you've tried. Keto and all. You can keto yourself. It is time for Jesus to show us the way. See, when Jesus says, walk with me and work with me, we hear the invitation of a loving God who says, okay, you've tried it your way, now try it my way. And I'll tell you something, you may, not, you may, you may think this is crazy, but until you're frustrated, you're, no, you're going nowhere with God. If you're still trying, keep going. The best place to be when you want to see God is on your back, flat out. And you have nothing, nobody else to, count, to, to talk to or get confidence from. You only get Him. See, you see, the greatest trap in our lives is not success. It's not popularity or power. The greatest trap in our lives is self-rejection. And we got a lot of people in America that are very good at it. They're self-rejectors. And it's the greatest enemy of our spiritual lives. Why, you ask? Because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls us the beloved. 
Allow God to be the one who says, I love you. See, being beloved expresses the core truth of our existence. Transforming love gives us the security to really live. Boy, there's a lot of insecure people in this world. That's why you need Jesus. Because it reminds us of our true identity as sons and daughters of God. The beloved of God. Say, I am the beloved of God. And it reminds us that we can do nothing to manufacture God's love for us. And from this secure foundation, we can love others as well, just as a child who knows love at home expresses joy and freedom. You can't, if you're looking for love, you're probably looking for it in all the wrong places. If you want pure love, you can only get it from God. He's the only one. I mean, we try everything. That's why we have that word in our world called addictions. They're addicted to something because they're looking for love. They've got an emptiness, got a void. Only God can fill it. You can't get it from the world. But from this secure foundation, we can love others just as a child who knows love at home expresses joy and freedom in their interactions with others. When we recognize how much Jesus loves us, we are recognizing why he created us and what he created us to be. Jesus was determined that not even death would separate him from the love he had for Lazarus. Paul reminds us that nothing, in Romans 8.39 says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Not even self-rejection. The voice of love is more powerful than what is tormenting you. This divine love expressed through the voice of Jesus is the strongest force we've ever seen. Gravity may hold planets in orbit and nuclear force may hold the atom together, but only love has the power to transform people. Only love. You want to see change in people? Love them. Don't give them a bunch of rules and regulations. Don't try to hold them accountable. Give them love and show them love. Someone to love us, someone to fight for us, someone to be for us and not against us. Against us. Someone to come and get us out. I mean, Mary and Martha said, Come, if you were here, nothing would have happened. And Jesus says, It don't matter. When I get here, everything changes. He's been dead for four days and he stinks. Ain't no problem for Jesus. I bet after they took off those bandages, I bet he smelled good. I bet you everybody was hugging him. I bet you they were hugging. I bet you they were cooking a meal and going home and eating with him. Huh? Jesus said he was just taking a nap. That's what he said. I read it with you. And someone who demonstrates that we matter, someone who says, I want you and I accept you as you are. You mean I don't have to change first? No, come as you are. The mess that you are. Jesus loves messy people. Amen? I didn't, come, I didn't come as a complete package. He's still working on me. And when Jesus spoke these three all-important words to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. He was demonstrating that he was for Lazarus. This is what this love does. Divine love announces to us time and time again that God is for us. And until we experience the power of divine love, we will run to anyone who, promise, who promises to give it. We'll try anything we can to experience it, hold anyone or any, anything so that we can feel it. But in the end, the same realization is God's love alone frees us to change Amen? Let's, I'll close with this scripture and I'll be done. Romans chapter 8. Thanks. Romans 8. Message. Romans 8. I'm going to start in verse 
Uh, did I say 39? Okay, we'll go there then. But I don't see it on my Bible here, so. You have it up there? Nor height. Okay, we can go there. Let me see if I can find that now. I don't see it. My Bible. 839. Oh, really? I don't know. I must have a different message Bible. Well, let's read what you got. Nor height nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from what? The love of God, which is Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Next verse. Huh? That's the end? The last verse? Oh, okay. Let's see. I gotta make I gotta look at one of my you don't mind waiting a couple of seconds. Okay, I'm supposed to start it's supposed to be Romans eight thirty four through thirty nine. But I don't know where thirty four starts because I didn't mark these verses in this Bible. And if you ever read the message Bible, not all the verses are marked. They're big paragraphs. They give you 34 to 39. It's a big paragraph. You know, it's a story. But let me just read 31 to 39. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen. Who would even dare to point a finger? The one who died for us. Who was raised to life for us. In the presence of God at this very moment. Sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge. Between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. Not trouble. Not hard times. Not hatred. Not hunger. Not homelessness not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. But none of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I am absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, Absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our Master, has embraced us. Amen? God loves me. No, God loves me. No, God loves me. No, God loves me. You're not convinced? Are you convinced? God loves me. God loves me. He loves us. I want to tell you with the prodigal son, that was a parable spoken by Jesus to the religious Pharisees. He tried to teach them. You see, the son, the first son, lost his identity. He wanted to come back thinking, I could come back as a hired servant. I can earn my way back. Never. It's all about love and finding your true identity as a son. When I think of the goodness of God, it just blows me away. I, I put myself there. We are one of the two sons, you know, very rebellious and off, or the one who I was, the self-righteous, growing up in tradition and religion, of trying to work my, my way up. You see... He calls it to be effortless rest. That's what 
There's no laboring. (laughs) It's his rest. And when we trust him and we know him, we can never be anything but his sons and daughters. We have to know that. We will always, he, no matter what he did, I mean, could you imagine your children asking you for their inheritance before you died? I mean, that was terrible. And he gave it to him. Yet, he gave him even more. He gave him everything. When he came back, he, he gave that fatted calf. What he did is he invited him back to his table. That's the Father's love. He put shoes on his feet. You know why? Because a servant didn't wear shoes in those days. Only a son did. He gave them that, him that robe, and that robe was the robe of righteousness. Showing him it's God's gift of righteousness, not something we earn. When you think of that story and what, what the Father's plan was, Sometimes I think, you know what, when you see angry people who are religious, just think of the elder brother, because he wouldn't even call his own brother who who was rebellious out there his brother. He wouldn't come to the table, because he thought, I've been here all along striving and working for you. (laughs) That's not what God wants. He wants us in relationship. That's that's what it's all about. It's a love relationship. We don't have to work to get in there. You know why we do things for him? It's because of love. <laughs> that's why. Why do you serve your children? Why? Because you love them. That's the relationship that is true. That is the relationship that God wants with us. I was that one in Matthew who labored till I was to exhaustion. The best place to be is at the, is at the end of yourself. Because that's when God comes in and he teaches and shows you. Have ears to hear. Have your hearts wide open for what he's planning to do with you because it's incredible. It's incredible the life he wants with you and me. And I found it. I'm telling you, I always say, and I shared this yesterday to the bride and groom in their in their vows. Out of all this world, I found and chose you. He found us. And he chose us. What a remarkable love story, amen, that he has for us. Let him just love you. And he gave him that ring. That ring was a signified authority because he wasn't a servant. A servant didn't get that ring, only a son did. That servant had to leave the father's house. That son never had to leave. He never had to, had to go somewhere. He had keys to the father's house. That's what privileges. To the refrigerator. I'm telling you, to the table. That's what a, what a son is to the father. And that's who we are. Amen.
I'd like to encourage you, if you can, buy the Message Bible and read Romans 8. It'll set you free. It's excellent. Have a great week. Love you.